2: Since what I am to say Must be but that which contradicts my accusation And the testimony on my part No other but what comes from myself It shall scarce boot me to say Not guilty Mine integrity being counted falsehood Shall, as I express it, be so received But thus, if powers divine behold our human actions as they do, I doubt not then but innocence shall make false accusation blush and tyranny tremble at patience. You, my lord, best know, you least who seem to do so, My past life hath been as continent, as chaste, as true, as I am now unhappy. For behold me, (coughs) a fellow of the royal bed, which our mighty of the throne, a great king's daughter, the mother to a hopeful prince. He is standing to prate and talk for life, And honor
0: for who pleased to come and hear. Hello and welcome to the play's The Thing. This is act three of Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. That audio that you just heard was the character Hermione defending herself to her husband Leontes, or kind of not defending herself. A great king's daughter the mother to a hopeful prince here standing to prate and talk for life and honor for who's pleased to come in here she's basically saying i'm not going to defend myself i am innocent um and that's where we are in this play i am joined again by emily maietta hello emily and welcome back
1: hey tim happy new year
0: happy new year to you it is uh, january 2nd as of the recording of this it'll probably be released a little bit later this week but we are at the big pivot act in The Winter's Tale, aren't we, Emily?
1: We sure are.
0: Yeah. 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 Everything is about to change.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but we have to suffer.
2: We first. do. Like,
0: we really have we to do. suffer hard first.
2: Oh, we have to yeah.
0: suffer. Yeah. So, Emily, I want to ask you a couple of questions, but I first... I want to just give our listeners a little synopsis of this act of The Winter's Tale. Um, The Winter's Tale, I just want to remind everybody, The Winter's Tale is often grouped as a fantasy. It's not a tragedy. It's not a comedy. It's not a history. It has elements of tragedy. And we're seeing like all of the elements of tragedy in Mm -hmm. these first two and a half acts. But there's going to be a change and the change is going to happen after this act so if you're just like man i've had enough tragedies tim like Macbeth and lear they were just too much for me i need a happy ending help is on the way help is on the way but this is the last but you have to suffer through this act it begins in act four so what happens in act three hermione has been called to trial by her husband leontes she tries to defend herself in open court And aiding her defense is the oracle's testimony. So um, last act, Leontes is like, I will know how to settle the question of whether or not my queen and my friend had an affair. I will ask the oracle of Apollo. So the message from the oracle arrives during Hermione's trial. And of course, (laughs) the oracle says she's innocent. She's totally innocent, and you, king, are guilty, and now your kingdom is under threat.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Compounding this, um, after Hermione gives a speech of self defense, which we heard a little bit of in the beginning of this show, we hear more terrible news.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mamilius, their son, has died. When Hermione hears this, she swoons, she faints, and her good helping woman, Paulina, and others help her off. And finally, 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 Leontes repents. He repents, though, and it's too late because Paulina mm-hmm. enters with the news that Hermione is dead. And so, I mean, this is the absolute low point in the play. All that's good, all that's beautiful, all that's true has died. Mm-hmm. And so Leontes recognizes it and he vows to spend the rest of his life grieving over the death of his wife and son, which he caused. Okay. And,
1: and his other child as well.
0: And his other child, who has been taken away and we presume has been left kind of on a hillside somewhere in Bohemia. That's <laughs> what we assume. And this is kind of the beginning of the turn. We follow the character who is taking the baby, girl, who was born shortly before the trial, out to be exposed in the bohemian wilderness. His name is Antigonus. Antigonus leaves the baby in Bohemia, where Polixene is, is king, and then there's this sudden storm that whips up. And as the storm whips up, Antigonus leaves the child and runs away. And there's the famous stage direction exit pursued by a bear. And so then Antigonus is gone. We don't quite know what happens to him, Um, but you know what? Let's wait and find out what happens to him because it's gruesome, but it's the beginning of the big change of this play. Does Mm -hmm. that sound okay with you? Mm -hmm. I want to ask you Emily about one line. Okay. About Hermione leontes tells hermione your actions are my dreams it's a it's a i remember reading it and feeling a little bit jarred like what exactly does this mean yeah so is he telling the truth your actions are my dreams is he literally having dreams about Mm -hmm. her actions Mm -hmm. is that what's going on um and i've got another question about kind of leontes obsession with justice but i i am gonna wait on that did you ever thought about this phrase your actions are my dreams
1: well i yeah i i I found it so jarring the first time i read it too but i think a little bit we have to understand what she says right before because he's trying to say all of these things that she did and um she says sir you speak a language that i understand not my life stands in the level of your dreams, which I lay down. And then he says, "Your actions are my dreams." You mm. had a bastard. Mm-hmm. I Polixenes and I, but dreamed it. So I think he speaks truth, although he doesn't mean to, right? Yeah, they are his dreams. He yeah. has invented this. But he then goes on to say, "Oh, you think I dreamed it? You're pregnant, and it's by Polixenes, or you had a baby, uh-huh. right?" Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> right. But
1: she calls it out, and he kind of, don't you think he is sort of confirming? He's saying the truth without meaning to. Yeah. He does not yeah. mean to say, but it will be revealed that he has dreamed this entire thing up. Mm-hmm. This has been a figment of his imagination
0: all the way through. Yeah, it's when she says, "What is her line?" Um,
1: my life I, stands in the love. My of life your stands. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: I mean, she's kind of saying, like, your speculation about me has now brought me to the bar of justice where I stand to lose my life.
1: Exactly. And there's nothing I can do about it because it's in your head. Yeah. It's in your head. Right. Right. I mean that's
0: verifiable to the outside world. Yes. Uh Uh-huh.
1: And then he says, Oh, it's my your actions are my dreams. You did all of these things, but of course. And he keeps he keeps coming back to. Um, so thou shalt feel our justice, right? Mm-hmm. He keeps coming back to, no, he's being so just. And what? tell
0: me about this. Tell me about like his obsession with, with justice is it, it, we had to speculate a little bit. Is this always been the way that he is, or is this like acute need to exact justice? Um, part of a result of his kind of madness about his mad jealousy. Do you think it's always existed or do you think it's just kind of like come to bear right now because of this craziness?
1: Well, couldn't it be, and this is when virtue can be um, um, sullied, It could be because it does appear that he has run a good kingdom, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Up Mm -hmm. until this point, it does appear that he has been just. And so as scene two starts, he says, let us be cleared of being tyrannous since we so openly proceed in justice. So he's having this trial to say, oh, well, I am just and I'm going to prove it. Right. But now his justice is serving his jealousy, which is how it's becoming perverted. Yeah. Wouldn't you say?
0: I would. I would.
1: We could speculate that he has run a just kingdom, that he is interested in justice. And it's really bothering him that people are calling him tyrannous. But mm-hmm. the tyranny keeps coming up and that um Hermione's speaking to him and saying, look, there isn't anything I can do here, which is what her first speech says. I can say I'm innocent all day long, but there is no way for me to prove this. Yeah. Except, except. By what you know of me, she says mm-hmm. to him, by what you mm-hmm. know of me, I am a great king's daughter. Again, that that um, reference to her nobility herself, right?
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, right. She says, look back at my life. I have, you've lived
0: with me. <laughs> you know me. Right. <laughs> um, and one of, one of the things that I think is so, so powerful about her speech of defense is that she, she kind of knows, look, I'm innocent. And the more that I insist on my innocence, the more I actually am like doing damage to my case, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, when you know that you've not done anything wrong and someone's convinced that you're wrong, (laughs) there comes a point that if you insist on it too much, then like, the Hamlet line from Gertrude, uh, me thinks the lady does protest. protest too much.
1: I know. No, you know? I, I've had a hard time learning this, quite frankly. I'm always amazed by it when I see it, because the um my my own internal sense of justice always grates against this. When I feel that I am wronged. That is why Hermione speaks so much to me. I have great difficulty standing on the fact I'm not wrong.
0: Mm. right? And she
1: is so internally um centered on what she knows to be the truth that she isn't pulled off. Just like you said,
0: right? but in right. fact
1: I have had a great difficulty with that in my own life. <laughs> I do, Hermione is a, is a testimony to me as I mean, it's beautiful. All three of her speeches are so beautiful.
0: So beautiful. Um, so she says to Leontes, you know, like in who more he's accusing her of being criminal. And she finally just says, Sir, spare (laughs) your threats. The bug with which you would fright me, I seek. That line, the bug with which you fright you would Mm -hmm. fright me, I seek. Mm -hmm. To me, can life be no commodity? The crown and comfort of my life, your favor, I do give lost. She's lost his favor. Mm -hmm. And now she is saying, You're threatening my life. Mm -hmm. I've already lost my life. Mm -hmm. It's not a threat anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's so heartbreaking. Um, so your daughter, and we did a Shakespeare showcase at mm-hmm. your school, which you helped start the Day School in Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. Your daughter, Mercedes, is a fine actress. And this is the f- first monologue that I ever heard I her perform. So. Yep. And it, I think so, yeah. And it really blew me away because she did such a wonderful job. But also she just let the words do the, she let the words do the work, you know.
1: Well, I think you helped her with that because the words do do the work. But I thought I yeah. you helped her bring that out.
0: Yeah. I I I saw. um, I'm trying to be tactful here. I went to a Shakespeare play somewhat recently. I'm going to keep it really nebulous. <laughs> um, and the actors, I see this all the time. The actors had so much energy and so much vibrancy and they did not let the words Mm -hmm. do the work, Mm -hmm. you know, they felt like they needed to add a lot Mm -hmm. to, they needed to add a lot of heat to the text. And sometimes absolutely the text calls for that heat. Mm -hmm. But sometimes for me, I think the actors that I appreciate the most, and I think that also tend to be most awarded for their Shakespearean performances are the ones that just help the audience understand what was written.
1: I was going to say, I think in the um, poor Shakespeare performances that I have seen, what I think is the underlying problem is the actors do not understand what they're saying.
0: I agree 100%. 100%.
2: (laughs) Which seems like a funny thing to
1: say.
0: And yet,
1: um, I will never forget, I was 13 years old when I saw Henry V.
0: Mm. Kenneth Branagh. A movie or a production? (laughs) Kenneth Branagh's movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: And... um, I will never forget that because it felt like when I watched it, I couldn't understand what they were saying. Mm. <laughs> right. Cause mm. I, I, it was one of my first introductions to Shakespeare. And of course the first time you hear Shakespeare, if you haven't been accustomed, it does right. seem almost like gibberish. But even when I felt like, okay, I'm not getting everything. Kenneth Branagh's um, inhabiting of the words and each actors and inha- how, you know, cause he has such a yeah. stellar cast for that. Um, I was like, "Oh, it means something. Like they're communicating to me yeah. the depth of what is going on here where things I had seen previously it just it came as a revelation to me. Like, "Oh, this means something." I yeah. really feel it. But I I think it's that inhabiting of the words. They knew it was being said and I um fully believe that many times they don't know what they're saying.
0: I I completely agree. I'm going to tell a little story. I know that I've told this story somewhere on the air before, and I know that I've told your family this story, but it's worth telling again. I was playing Macbeth um, in a park in Oregon, and some friends of mine, Andrew and Marianne, brought their kids to the performance. Their son, Soren, was just a boy at the time. I guess he was like maybe five or six, and he had brought this little toy sword. And so... They were sitting pretty close to the stage and i go out for macbeth's famous um is this a dagger i see before mm-hmm. me the handle toward my hand come let me clutch thee i go out for that scene and it's just me alone on the stage and i'm out there is this a dagger i see before me the handle toward my hand and macbeth is imagining a mm-hmm. dagger leading him to duncan who he mm-hmm. was going to kill so he becomes king I'm performing it and I see something kind of out of the corner of my eye, kind of raising up (laughs) from the audience. And I don't want to break character and look. I'm afraid I'm going to get distracted. And people like drunk people would show up at the Mm -hmm. plays all the time. You just, you know, Mm -hmm. it's Shakespeare in the Park. You get all sorts of madness. So I finish the scene. I go in the back and I'm getting basically ready um, for the next scene. And all my fellow actors who weren't out on stage were laughing. Oh my gosh, did you see that? Oh my gosh. And I was like, what are you guys laughing at? We're, We're trying to keep it down because the audience is not far away from us. What are you guys laughing at? Did you not see that boy? And I was like, what boy? No. In the middle of your speech, when you said, Is this a dagger I see before me? He <laughs> held up his toy sword. It was Soren. It was he thought that I was asking him for the sword. Is that
1: your dagger? I need
0: it. Is, I, yeah, I need it, Soren. Okay. But what's funny so he was old enough to understand yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. There's a follow-up to the story, which is Andrew and Marianne get a hold of me and they're like, Man, our you know, our kids just love the Shakespeare play so much that they've started yeah doing Shakespeare plays in the backyard. And keep in mind, (laughs) these are kids. These are younger than Titus, you know? And I said, oh, and they said, they want to perform for you. And I said, oh, great. So I go over to their house for dinner and Andrew has made a little stage in their backyard and the boys get up on this stage and they each have swords. And this is what Shakespeare was for them. This is what (laughs) acting Shakespeare was for them. Soaring to his brother, Elliot. I am against thee and i will kill thee with mine sword which is more powerful than a board and then they would fight 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 fight, and they would stop and elliot would say you have not done me wrong i will take your harm fight 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 and that's what and they basically perform for about 10 minutes and then they You know, so it was, it was like a few semi rhyming lines that sounded Shakespearean to them, followed by fights. And then they stepped forward to the edge of the stage and took their bows. And I, you know, applauded like it was the best thing I ever heard. Because it was like, it was so great. It was so much fun. But, but I think that was like a a picture to me of Mm -hmm. what a first exposure to Shakespeare is like, mm-hmm. I know that it's my language because mm-hmm. I hear words that I know I it's use. my language. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds as foreign to me as Italian or, yes. or Greek. It sounds so yes. strange. But then of course, the more we get used to it, the more our vocabulary expands, the more that we understand yes. Shakespeare, you know, the meaning begins to really open up for us. And that's when it becomes a whole lot of fun, but it's, it's, it's even fun Even when the actors don't overact it, because you trust that, like, even for a young person, they can understand a lot of what's going on.
1: Yes. Even if they can't get every word, if you inhabit the words, it is clearly communicated. That's what's so amazing about seeing it performed. Absolutely. Right. As opposed Absolutely. to only reading it. It's that inhabiting. And it's so like your story. It's so um, that's embodied learning coming right back. Right. They're totally. taking it and and what could be better?
0: Yeah, I know. I know. What could be better? Could be better. I, I just so appreciated I this monologue by Hermione, I think ought to be delivered um, not with mm-hmm. great passion. There mm-hmm. are other scenes that require mm-hmm. great passion. Mm-hmm. I think this requires, this is sort of like a cold, it's not that she doesn't. It's not she, cold. It's, she. She's not cold, mm-hmm. but I think that the words, just their plain meaning is mm-hmm. enough to say what needs to be said.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is She's what? in the heat of like, this is the ultimate passion for her. But yes. I think the words need to be plain
1: yes it is plain speaking i mean because her her list of wrongs right just to set out her list of wrongs is so heart-wrenching and then to see it performed right the um we keep referencing the anthony share performance but we'll just keep doing it because hermione was such a great hermione as she's because she speaks it i think as you're saying it's delivered with great warmth but with um But with no anger, which is what I think you helped Mercedes to do, right? Yeah. Um, She just, she understands her position, which is part of the critique that Shakespeare is bringing to bear. She understands her position as being in the hands of Leontes. He is the only one who can save her. And she knows that because he no longer trusts her word, she has nothing left, right?
0: Yeah.
1: and to see like to see that performance that her, her the Hermione was so wonderful. But there mm. she is, bedraggled, her hair all cut. She has just mm. had a baby. And one of the things that she says is, you've denied me the childbed privilege. You've taken me out of bed yeah. when I've just had a baby. Yeah. Um, that all women are due, right? Yeah. And so here she is once again, vulnerable, even more vulnerable um, without any of the accoutrements of being the queen. Now she's stripped to nothing. She's been in prison. And um, it is so horrible.
2: Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm.
1: but she says it was such inner strength. That's what I, I, I love that about right. this is we see two different versions of female strength.
0: Right. right? She and Paulina.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we're going to get Perdita soon too, but Paulina is the um, like prophetess coming with anger, coming with righteous anger, which is deserved. And Hermione is this um, unmovable centered, um, not quiet. Quiet isn't the right word, but this immovable center that she will not Mm -hmm. be moved from despite the persecution that she's suffering right mm-hmm. and um i guess i feel it keenly <laughs> i feel it keenly myself having had keenly? children i feel her position keenly oh, right? yeah. a new baby your body is weak you are not you are not able to stand against this and the way that shakespeare how does he do this the way he gives her words um in in this great travail i find very moving
0: yeah you mention hermione's kind of like the vi- the vision of strength that that we see in hermione and there is also a vision of strength that we see in paulina let's actually listen to paulina um when she speaks to leontes after she tells him that hermione is gone hermione has died let's listen to that now
2: but oh thou tyrant do not repent these things Rather be take thee to nothing but despair. A thousand knees, ten thousand years together, naked, fasting upon a barren mountain, and still winter in storm perpetual could not move the gods to look that way thou what Go on, go on. Say no more. However, the business goes, you have made fault in the boldness of your speech.
0: That was Paulina speaking to Leontes, but O oh, thou tyrant do not repent these things for they are heavier than all thy woes can stir. Therefore, betake thee to nothing but despair. <laughs> so how let's talk about Paulina. If, if, um, Hermione's strength is very centered, I think that's the perfect word. It's very centered. Um, how would you describe Paulina's?
1: Well, she is a truth speaker. Right. I think she Mm -hmm. comes and you can um, hear it from the performance, which I'm sure she can be played in many different ways. But this performance stresses she comes with righteous anger, does she not? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) she comes. She comes. And this is the role that she's played in the previous acts as well where she is going to hold his feet to the fire, yeah. right? She is going to hold his feet to the fire. So that's her second speech, but her speech before it is a long... So um, as Hermione has listed the things that she has suffered, the loss of the king's favor, the inability to see her son, the loss of her baby, the loss of her childbed privileges. She runs through this whole list. So Paulina does the same and he she says, okay... Um, not the you know smearing the honor of Polixenes—that's one thing. Trying to get Camillo to kill him—that's another thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, sending your son to despair because you've damaged his mother—that's another thing. Uh, now putting your baby out to die—that's another thing. But I will not forgive you the death of the queen. The queen, the best right. woman, right? Right. So she has another equal line of look. Look at these things that you have done. Look at the huge um, swath of terror that your jealousy has created. Mm. And we haven't even gotten the next thing, which is her own husband is going to die. Right.
0: Oh, right. Right.
1: Her own, which she doesn't even mention here because that hasn't occurred yet. Yeah. But um, she is. So Hermione does. Like, this is what I have suffered. And now Paulina is lying, laying out to him, these are the things that you have done, that this huge swath of um, destruction and woe that you have caused. And then she says, I love, I just love these lines. Yeah. <laughs> A thousand knees, 10,000 years, naked fasting upon a barren mountain and still winter and storm perpetual could not move the gods to look the way that worked.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he kind of acknowledges it. I mean he he's does. like, "Yeah, I got to give it, but I'm still going to spend the rest of my days in mourning. It's like the best that I can do." Yeah. Yeah.
1: So hers is a um I don't know, who could to whom could she be compared? Hers is a wrathful. I mean she is coming with wrath.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she it's is funny because all of the characters that I think of are all male. Like I think of, I don't know that John the Baptist is coming in oh, wrath, but he's yeah. coming with some heat. Yeah, right? no, it
1: is John the Baptist. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: that's a good one.
0: Um, who is the prophet in Oedipus Rex? Oh, um, oh. For, he, he's the one who gives like he basically just names Oedipus as the killer. Yeah. You know, he's the yeah. one that he's seeking after. We'll yep. think of his name. It's not. No, I sort of. I'm not going to we'll remember. Think of it as soon as we finish the podcast. That's I'm right. sure and and everybody's are yelling it. People are yelling I know. it. I know. Which is, you know what? It's a great thing. It's a great thing when your audience is like sophisticated enough. Exactly. That they know to the know prophet that prophet From a 2,500 year old play and they're like all yelling at us. Like we take it's that awesome. as a compliment. It's, it's right. awesome. Exactly. It's, awesome. it's really great.
2: How
1: about Nathan the prophet? That's why I say Nathan. She's, she's a prophetess in a way. Don't you think? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think she is. Um, she I was is. thinking
1: of um, uh, uh, Deborah. Oh, Deborah, good call. But Deborah
0: doesn't Deborah from the Old Testament doesn't really. We don't see her producing a lot of heat. We yeah. just know that she's like a judge.
1: Yeah, um, who, who's meeting out justice? How right, about Abigail? Right. Abigail from David and Abigail. Do you know, she comes and she says, "My husband's a fool. Don't don't kill our."
0: Oh right. You know what I'm talking right. about. Yeah, maybe maybe she's close to, she's like Abigail.
1: I was thinking of Cassandra, but not really Cassandra because she nobody believes her. Uh (laughs) She's speaking out the truth. Everybody believes
0: Pauline. Everybody believes. Everybody believes, believes including
1: including Leontes.
0: Eventually, Leontes.
1: So, can we go back to that? Yeah. Do you want to go there next?
0: Let's go there now. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you believe? Okay, so first of all, Leontes hears the oracle. And of course, we all know what it's going to say. Yeah. And uh, he refuses to believe. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he does believe. So, how does that happen? I think it works when it's staged. It's a little hard when you read it. What do you think?
0: <laughs> so, he hears the oracle. It's like, she's innocent. You're guilty. He denies believing that. He hears, um, he's heard Hermione's testimony. And then, so I I think the death of his son combined mm-hmm. with the death of his wife, like, uh, they're not coming back. Yeah, I well, we don't think so. They're not coming back, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so if there's going to be a moment for him to say, oh my gosh, what have I done? It mm-hmm. has to happen now. Yeah, it does. And I, and I kind of feel like, um, if it doesn't happen right in this minute, he might just based on what we've seen, double down and say something like, "Well, they got what they deserve."
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Right? <laughs> well, and 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 we're kind of—I mean, when he first responds, we're kind of expecting him to keep on going. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because he does double down.
0: His oh yeah. First
1: response is to double down. Yeah. Yeah, but and that's actually one of the interesting things is that he has built a lot. There is, in some ways, a um, discardability to Hermione while his son lives, right? Because the oh, throne say
0: can, more. What do well, you mean?
1: Because the throne continues. He no longer needs Hermione.
0: Oh, right.
1: Succession is is secured. Yes. Yes. Right. Which is one of the I problems. I did not
0: even think about that.
1: Don't you think?
0: That's such a great point
1: and now yeah.
0: yeah go ahead while he has a male heir yeah he doesn't need her he doesn't need and her he's on good terms with Mamilius. i mean for now
1: sort of. weirdo yeah
0: yeah he is kind of he is weird <laughs> and he's like hey i'm getting played you're playing i'm getting played you know yeah and he's like letting Mamilius into this adult world where he yeah, doesn't need to be yet
2: exactly
0: but you're right hermione's expendable while Mamilius is still alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I didn't that's a great point. It's a great point. It's it's I mean, Henry VIII and all of his wives all over yes, again. Exactly. So, exactly.
1: So I mean, that it's it's interesting to think of this play from that aspect too, isn't it? Like not just James the First, but right. I mean Elizabeth is a bastard child.
0: Uh huh.
1: Right? Uh huh. Yeah. Because he has divorced Anne Boleyn, or did he be header? Divorce beheaded died. Divorce. Oh, he beheads I, Anne Boleyn. Yeah. You know that little rhyme?
0: No. What's the little rhyme?
1: Divorce beheaded died. Divorce beheaded survived. That's how you keep track of Henry VIII's wives. Oh. <laughs> Come on, that's what good. a
0: legacy. That, I what know. a legacy. I
1: know. Oh. But anyway, yeah, I think you're right that, that this has to be. And that's also the thing. In seeing it that, you know, on the page, it's line after line after line. But of course, yeah. when it's staged, there can be reaction and there can be time between the time the lines are delivered. Right. Which then yeah. makes it a little bit more. I um feel like right here, like once we get to the end of, you know, Polina's words to him and Leonti's acceptance of Polina's words, Like, we are kind of um, at the end of a tragedy, although it is satisfying that we have seen Leontes come to light. Because that's one of the things that um, is so, I think Othello is the most difficult of the tragedies for me to read.
0: Because Iago, there's not a turn with Iago.
1: Like, it's just so... Painful to see oh, jealousy yeah. destroy this noble man, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Othello is an yeah, absolutely, man. and you feel that way with Leontes to some degree too. He has, he is losing the nobility that he once had, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah.
1: for him to turn, it is like um <laughs> to me, it's a, it's a redo of almost Othello. Like that sounds so weird to say, but do you know, like that that play to me is so painful to me. I can't even tell you how painful it is.
0: I want to ask you a question. I mean, I I think I know the answer because you're giving the answer, but I'm going to give you, we are like such Shakespeare nerds. Which (laughs) of these scenarios is more tragic? (laughs) So we have Othello, And Othello is deceived into believing his wife is not innocent. And he's deceived by Iago. And at the end of the play, it's all revealed. Iago was lying the entire time and Othello just killed his innocent wife and Iago. So I'm just catching everybody up on like, in case they haven't seen Othello recently and Iago's last lines, I can't remember what they are, what has been done, I must Pass over in silence mm-hmm. or something like that. He gives no comment mm-hmm. and then he's let off the stage, mm-hmm. never to be heard from again. Mm-hmm. So it does not appear that he is repentant mm-hmm. at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The other scenario that I'm gonna throw out to you, I can't believe I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it is so painful, is Lear,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who his favorite daughter, mm-hmm. Cordelia. He rejects her, throws her out of the kingdom, cuts her off from her inheritance. And finally, 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 at the end of the play, he's, he's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. see my fault. Mm-hmm. She was innocent the whole time. And her mm-hmm. two sisters, my other two daughters, they were just like broken, terrible. And they were so mean to me. And he's reunited with Cordelia
1: mm-hmm. and, and she dies. She dies. <laughs>
0: I don't know which one I don't know which one I would vote for.
1: I'll tell you which one i vote for. Okay. I vote that Othello is like to me Othello is more painful because Othello like there is a part of Lear that there is a um with the other tragic heroes, Macbeth, Lear, yeah. who else? They they are faulty. And you get that, I mean, not that um, Othello is without fault, but I feel that the the, um, evil of Iago is so overpowering that Othello is, you know, his outsider status. I feel, though, that Othello and Hermione share different, you know, share similar qualities. But that, to me, is why Othello is so painful, is it's a beautiful man and a beautiful woman who are destroyed by one man's evil intent on them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't get to see... The Any metanoia redemption. of yes. Iago. There's yes. no turning. No. And we at least get a glimpse of that with Lear.
1: Yes. Yes. We you know. get it. Lear Even finally if it's not seen. rewarded. Yes. Lear finally sees. And he's able to tell Cordelia, right? He says, right. oh, we would live here in jail happily as two birds. Yes, two I birds. Right.
0: Oh, it's so great. It's oh. so wonderful. Okay. So here we are in our play yeah. and we've kind of gotten in a way We've gotten a Lear tragedy. We have. He turns.
1: But it's too late. There's a
0: metanoia, but it's too late. His son is dead. His daughter, excuse me, his wife is dead. His daughter is presumably going to die on a yep. barren hillside. And and he's not going to ever really meet her or acknowledge her.
1: This is the winter of his kingdom, right? The winter's yeah. tale. Like everything yeah. is dead.
0: There Everything's is, dead.
1: What What hope does he have? He has no heir. And um, now the kingdom is not in ruins yet, but right. It's going to be under threat. Yeah. Under uh, under threat because succession is not clear.
0: Right. Yeah. So we,
1: we leave in the winter when all is dead, all appears dead and it does, it feels so tragic. And then crazy. We switch. We
0: switch (laughs) by following one of the King's men, also the husband of um, Paulina. We follow, uh, sorry, what's his name? Antigonus. Antigonus to another country. (laughs) He's in Bohemia and we see him briefly put the child, Leontes' child, Hermione's child down Mm -hmm. on the hillside Mm -hmm. along with, a huge treasure for presumably mm-hmm. her
1: Whoever protection will find her. and, you mm-hmm. know, future.
0: And not only do we switch locales, we also switch class. We yep. go from like court scenes to the two people who discover <laughs> the baby are country.
1: There's, this is, such a funny scene such it's a such
0: funny. a funny scene coming out of like all of this I mean I think Tragedy. Shakespeare knew. he does this all the time he will yeah. make a an emotional turn and it is a hair turn or yeah. like what do they call it a, a like a really tight turn he doesn't give us any time to kind of switch yeah so what I don't care I'm going to make you laugh. Now you were just crying at the whole, like the whole kingdom has just been destroyed. It's so (laughs) terrible. And now I'm going to make you laugh 30 seconds later. Yeah, And so we are met by a shepherd and it says in the text clown, Yeah, but I think, I don't think that's a really good rendering. It really is country bumpkin.
1: Well, and so I have the, I'm reading out of the Folgers edition because I've, I've seen that. Um, the time that we staged this it's it was shepherd and clown yeah Folger's edition actually says shepherd and shepherd's son because that's really who oh, okay
0: is, yeah right
1: it's the shepherd yeah. and his son but um I was going to ask you about that it's an interesting designation
0: I I have a theory about why it's called clown and not shepherd's son it's because it was played by one of the clowns mm-hmm. in Shakespeare's troupe. so He had a famous clown the guy's name was kent i can't remember his maybe john kent i can't remember and he did a lot of the famous clown Mm -hmm. roles like the um the fool in in later he played him Mm -hmm. but they also believed that a second clown was added late to the um acting troupe around the time of shakespeare's at the end of his great tragedies Hmm. Before these fantasies. So, for a while, they think Shakespeare had two clowns.
1: Interesting.
0: Or two actors who were trained in kind of clown work. Yeah. And who knows? Was this the older clown? Right. Was this the younger clown? Or my speculation is it was both.
1: The, sh- the younger clown mm-hmm. is
0: shepherd's son. Yeah. And the older clown is shepherd.
1: Yeah. And later on, we're going to see that the shepherd's son really is a clown like yeah he's really really, uh um what's the word gullible right
0: very Yeah. he's very
1: gullible and so so that's kind of interesting because you know lear's fool is not gullible at all Lear's fool is very sharp but this this guy is truly clownish in his um lack of awareness of the world Uh right yeah
0: very (laughs) very yeah. yeah i love um the shepherd I do too. I, I love, the, love the shepherd. So I'm just going to read his opening, um, his kind of introduction. I would, there were no age between 16 and 23, or that youth would sleep out the rest for there is <laughs> nothing in the between, but getting winches with child wronging the ancient tree, stealing, fighting Hark <laughs> you now would any but these boiled brains of 19 and 20 uh, and two and 20 hung this weather, (laughs) it's really funny. So he's like, it's like this complaint. I assume which is against his son. You know, his son is probably of the age that yeah, he's exactly. describing. He's just like, man, this day, this time in a person's these teenagers. life is just so useless. Yeah, <laughs> these teenagers. It's like a get off my lawn moment from eight to, from 1610.
1: They have uh, undeveloped prefrontal cortex. Right,
0: right. <laughs> and you're like, man, some things have not changed. Some
1: things, some have, things not have not changed. changed. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. It's hilarious. So
0: the shepherd and the shepherd's son or the cloud, whatever we're gonna call him, um, they meet up right after the shepherd's son has seen the bear. Mm-hmm. You know, like two sights. Devouring. He's seen two sights. <laughs> He's seen two sights. One of them is this ship yeah. that's going kind of like up and down and up and down. And he also sees this bear. I mentioned in the first act, Emily, that um I think there's reason to believe there might have been an actual bear brought on stage it, because
2: crazy. crazy. There were
0: bear baiting rings oh, located near theaters yeah. at this time. This is before you know, like this is all really sorts awful. of. Like, yeah, it's really terrible. Awful. There's all sorts of like animal cruelty laws yes. that have not been developed at all, yes. and bear baiting would have been super popular. Yeah, so
2: Bring you a know bear. what.
0: Bring a bear on, Bring a bear and let's have him like. We'll have the you know the king's man run off stage. Yeah, exit pursued by a bear. I love That's it. That's what we'll do. I th-
1: I said this before, but I have to say that this play reminds me so much of Mozart's Magic Flute, which has all yeah you sorts, said that yeah well I mean I was comparing it to the staging in Amadeus. Yeah but these fantastical moments of like bears coming. Um, uh-huh. There's so much it shares with the magic flute, which was an unusual opera, you know, even for its time. I mean, it had sort of elements of high and low, which this play does as well, right? The court and the pastoral. So it's fun. It's fun to think about um, the fancy of it, right? And if what Do would you, be more fanciful than having a bear run having a bear the bear stage? On stage?
0: So um, Mozart's magic flute, most of my knowledge of Mozart's history comes from the movie,
2: yeah, yeah. Amadeus.
0: But there's a scene in that in which the owner of a theater approaches Mozart, and he knows that he needs money, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Write us an opera. Mm-hmm. It'll be for the common people." Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like very much plays to common tastes. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know is that real history?
1: Oh yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, I don't know, I don't know the specifics of the um, theater. I won't, the theater owner, I I, mean, I don't yeah. know about their derivation, but um, the magic flute is for sure. Um, not Mozart's just like this isn't Shakespeare's normal um, genre. Neither yeah. was the magic flute, you know, okay. that was very much. And the, the tale is completely fanciful. You know, the tale, right?
0: Yeah. It's well, the, the queen I, I don't of the night. What... Oh, no, go on. go We're on. We're go going
1: far afield. But the Queen of the Night has this daughter, and the Queen of the Night is evil, right? And she needs to be rescued. So Zoraster, the great wizard, um, is going to rescue her. But we don't know this at first. We think that the Queen of the Night is actually somewhat good. Um, and so the princess is rescued by a wonderful prince. But then there's these other sub characters, Papageno, the bird catcher. And Papageno mm. is trying to catch birds, but he's also trying to catch himself a wife. Oh, do you know that? I don't know. So, this. so, so this is so this is in some ways similar to this, right? We have this courtly story of the queen of the night's daughter, the prince, and the princess coming together. But then we also have Papageno and Papagena trying to come together, right? And there are so many things that they have to go through. And then it turns out the queen of the night is bad, and she has those crazy arias where she sings so high. Do you know that those arias? No. Oh, oh no, so I know great. the one.
0: I know the one. Yeah. Um, except it's
1: yeah, so yeah, yeah. high.
0: So high. Yeah. Yeah, I do know that one. I do know anyway, that. Anyway,
1: but I it's been striking me not that they're exactly the same, but these elements of fancy and this, these elements of also establishing a kingdom that will last. Also at playing yeah. the magic flute. But yeah. the fancy is really fun.
0: It is really fun.
1: And these, these low characters um, are really just so much fun, right? <laughs> it's the they oftentimes
0: for- are. They're so they much oftentimes fun. Are. Yeah, he writes these wonderful secondary characters that sometimes will just steal the show. I, I'm thinking about, um, oh, the porter in Macbeth.
2: Oh, the Porter comes yeah, in after yeah, yeah. Duncan's oh, death. So good, blood
0: everywhere yeah. on stage. Five minutes earlier, and then the, the Porter comes in because we hear this knocking at yeah. the castle door, and the Porter's knock, knock, knock. Yeah. <laughs> Let me sleep, and he has all these kind of crude jokes crude that he jokes. tells. Yes, it's just a little bit part, but it's so terrific. It it's is so terrific.
1: It is well, and, and as for oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, as we're going to see later on, the shepherd is another um, character. You know, this is kind of a funny scene, but he's another character that sort of sees things rightly, doesn't he? Mm.
2: Um,
1: In the scenes where we're going to get further on with Polixenes and Florizel, his son. So the shepherd is funny, but he's also uh, grounded in reality, maybe. Yeah, In a different way than the shepherd's son. The shepherd's son is...
0: Yeah, he's 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 just so. There's not something's wrong with that boy.
1: Yeah, Yeah. something
0: (laughs) is wrong with that boy.
1: What does he say? I love this. Uh, You're a made old man. If the sins of your youth are forgiven you, you're well to live. Gold, all gold. And then he says, "Uh, "I'll go see if the bear be gone from the gentleman and how much he hath eaten. (laughs) They are never cursed, but when they are hungry, if there be any of him left, I'll bury it." <laughs> <laughs> funny. I'm going to go see the carcass of what the bear has right. eaten.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so it's,
1: funny. He's he's ridiculous.
0: unwily. Yeah. He is unwily. <laughs> um, Emily, I want to uh interrupt us just for a moment before we put a bow on the end of the act. Um, I sometimes fail to mention that our podcast is on a platform. The platform is the Circe Podcast Network. So Circe is not spelled like it sounds, unless you're familiar with, um, Homer's odyssey it's spelled C I R C E and Circe is leading the resurgence of classical education around the country. And I also want to, um, add, they're a non organization. They're supported by people like Emily and me and, um, they provide a lot of free resources like this play for free. So, if you have any interest in donating, or if you just want to get to know Circe to begin with, the place to start is C I R C E dot org. Go to Circe If you're just kind of dipping your toe in classical education, maybe you're trying to, um, catch up on the education that you didn't receive. That's kind of my story. I did not get much of a classical education, but I'm busily trying to catch up. Or um, if you're trying to expose your kids to a different way of thinking about education, for me, the place to start is Circe and you can find them at circe.org. Okay, Emily, end of act three, we have the shepherd and his son, Going off with, do you remember the name of the baby and what the baby's name name means? Perdita. Perdita.
1: Um, at least that's how the Brits say it. So I'm just going to say it that way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it means, it's Latin, and it means, um, oh gosh, does it mean to follow or to be lost? Yeah, I think I it means
0: the lost one. The
1: lost one. Mm-hmm.
0: now did you do that just from your own knowledge of latin yes oh okay because it shows up in the play also it says does it it's meaning yeah um hermione i think maybe says it to paulina
1: no that can't
0: be somehow it does makes it, does antigonus to- say it antigonus says it but i think he got the, the name is hermione somewhere what's that
1: the ba- oh wait it is it is it is antigonus isn't it
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm Antigonus says it. Maybe he named the baby himself. I can't remember that part of it, but yes, Antigonus names her. Oh no, it is it is
1: um, it is Hermione. I have it here. Acts okay. three, scene three. She comes to him in a dream, and she says, "Oh, that's Good right. Antigonus. That's right. Yeah, since fate against thy better disposition hath made thy person for the thrower out of my poor babe, hmm. according to thine oath, place." Places remote enough are in Bohemia. There weep and leave it crying. And for the babe is counted lost forever. Perdita. I prithee call it for this ungentle business put on thee by my Lord Thou, thou ne'er shalt see thy wife, Paulina, more. Oh, yeah, it is. It's here. She who is lost. Yeah, there it is.
0: There it is. So that's... Um where we end the act. I mean, in so many ways, the play could be over. It could. Right? It could. It could be over. It could. But we're gonna find out after intermission, I guess is what we're gonna call it, that there's a whole other play coming. <laughs> yeah. A whole other play. <laughs> and we're gonna see the same cast of characters, but we're also gonna zoom forward 16 years. 16 so, years. Well, 16 years. Say.
1: We aren't. I mean, one of the things that's so interesting is that we aren't going to see Hermione, Paulina, Leontes, any of the people from Sicily.
0: We're going to see the people from Bohemia.
1: Yeah, we're not going to see any of them again until the end of the until the end yeah. of the play, right? And so, right. that is a um, a different spin because we leave these characters for yeah a good portion because Act Four is large. That's actually uh. Thing to think about. Act four is a large act because often it's act three that's the center. Well, it is the center. Yeah. yeah. But act four is huge.
0: It's and very oftentimes, long. often to your point, often act four in Shakespeare is the act that gets cut. Yeah. Right. Right. Like right. In, in Hamlet, Act Four gets cut. There's a ship scene that right. nobody knows about because right. it always gets cut. But this act four is like a new dawn. It is. And it's long and it's like, it's like resetting. um, It's resetting the whole play.
1: Yeah. I was talking to somebody recently about this play and they were relating that they felt um, only very mixed about it because, because of the sort of, you know, redemption that is coming. And I said, Mm. oh, but that is why I love it.
0: Right, right, right. (laughs)
2: Because this so is they, they
0: feel like um, they felt like th- they know the redemption is coming and like it's it's too it's too it's mixed painted too broadly or too brightly or something like that.
1: Too mixed, you know, that the that the the sins of the earlier part of Leontes just make it too mixed that you can't quite be happy with the ending. And, oh, I
0: see. I know? see. Yeah, and I, I yeah. said,
1: "Well, I think that that's one of the major reasons that I love this because this feels a lot like life, doesn't it?"
0: Yeah, right, right.
1: Our, our lives it, do not come out with unmixedness, do they? Right.
0: Like you, you mentioned, like damage gets done.
1: <laughs> damage is done. Yeah, and that's something that he really wrestles. I think Shakespeare brilliantly wrestles with in
0: this play. I think that's part of the reason why I love this play so much. And for me, why it surpasses a great comedy, like much ado about nothing in much ado about nothing. Hero, this innocent woman is done wrong by Mm -hmm. her Mm fiance who suspects her, man, all this trope of like jealousy, who suspects her of being unfaithful. He finds out that no, she was faithful the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then there are, married at mm-hmm. the end of the play mm-hmm. and there's something about it that's like wait dude you just Get on called your knees. her out in front of everybody <laughs> you shamed her in front of everyone <laughs> and you are like just kind of going back your, but you yeah, still get to marry the quo. girl? Status quo.
1: on your knees. On your totally. knees. Thousand knees, ten thousand years.
0: <laughs> and this play is gonna show that. This play it does is. not presume that, it
1: is the damage doesn't yeah, occur.
0: It does. It does occur. And uh, yet and to yet. have a, a triumph and a redemption at the end. Yeah, we're gonna have scars. But that's that's what makes this play so special to me.
1: I just read an amazing essay by Christian Wyman that deals with this very theme. And I think for Shakespeare, it is at the end of his life. He probably knows this more as well, right? These are the yeah, things that we yeah. learn as we grow older <laughs> and to um, accumulate wounds.
0: <laughs> I keep, you're going to laugh at me. You're going to be like, this is what a weird association. I keep thinking about Phil Collins, like <laughs> late era Phil Collins. <laughs> so Phil Collins I used to listen to Phil Collins middle school and high school all the time
1: he's one of the rare drummers who sings
0: yes and he's supremely talented as a drummer and supremely talented I want to say as a songwriter that being said (laughs) I know I know what you're saying because late era Phil Collins is like it is cotton candy yeah
2: yeah, You know, it's so yeah. cotton candy. Yeah.
0: But I remember my sister saying, you know, we would like, be like, what <laughs> happened to Phil Collins? He was so great. He was with Genesis. And they did all these kind of like murky, heavy totally. songs. And it was so thoughtful. And I was like, what happened to Phil Collins? It's all just like Disney soundtracks now. She heard an interview with him. I can't remember who with. Oh, it might have been on This American Life. Interesting. And, she, and he made a defense for like all the kind of happy love songs that he wrote. And he's like, I totally admit it. I totally admit I'm running Hallmark cards. This is not his words, but um, I like want to make people happy. I'm late in my career. I want to make people happy. And I was like,
2: that's... Respect. I have respect for that
1: because all of that angsty stuff I did when I was young—that's when I hadn't actually suffered.
0: It, now that <laughs> and I've now suffered, I have suffered, exactly. Like who knows? I don't know what like Phil Collins' personal life yeah. is like, yeah. but he's he's a human being. <laughs> he has suffered loss, and now he's like, yeah, I want to write like pop songs and make people happy.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just not going to equate Phil Collins with Shakespeare. I just can't go what? that far. I'm you
2: sorry. won't support
0: me? I, you won't support that? But point that. taken. <laughs> <laughs> I won't either. That's, okay, that's the end okay, of great. my great. linkage between okay, these two. It's the end of my linkage. Um, Emily, thanks for joining us for Act 3. Everybody, Act 4. Help is on the way. It's coming. It's <laughs> help coming. is on the way. Um, I also want to Make a little shout out. I am recording a series of one podcast episodes on some of Shakespeare's kind of lesser known plays. So if you want to know anything about Two Gentlemen of Verona, well, that's going to be the podcast that follows this one. I've got Ian and Emily Andrews. Andrews coming on the show. I'll give you their biographies when we start that show. Um, So that's something to look forward to. We're going to do we're going to kind of season these longer five act podcasts with one-off at one-off podcasts about kind of some of the, the lesser known plays. So you've got that to look forward to as always. We want to thank the Searcy Institute, C I R C E.org for platforming this and other great classical podcasts. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please join us next week for Act 4 of The Winter's Tale. Bye.
1: Bye.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.